Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's we had a hard time together, together. Yes, it's a hard time. We had a hard time together. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. And since winter is coming, I thought, why not turn the spotlight inward and get all warm and cozy with cannabis and our higher self? So today, we're being self-full and taking care of numero uno. And joining me to talk about little ideas that make a big difference is Jarrett Robertson, a former pro hockey player and physique competitor who draws upon the lessons he's learned as an athlete about overall health and well-being to inform his approach to life. Jarrett is a graduate of Brown University and a financial advisor and consultant. With his first book, Make It a Great Day, Jared hopes to help more people achieve greater success through mastering their own human potential. And I'm sharing my experience doing just that with cannabis as my co-pilot. But first, a word from our sponsor, MJ Relief, the muscle rub PhD formulated for what aches and pains you. And this week, we'll hear from one of my lifestyle coaching clients. Hi guys, Melody Jenkins here out of Raleigh, North Carolina. I am a life coach client 
of Joe's for two years running, and I'm here to share my MJ Relief enthusiasm, primarily because the product delivers on its promise, relief. With the holidays already on top of us, I'm excited for my recent MJR order to show up to help relieve my annual holiday stressors. So my evening routine is to wait for the radiating pain from my shoulders up into my neck, which, side note, slows me down and produces that super unsexy turtle look, challenging all my daily efforts for chin up, chest out, belly in, better posture. Circling back to that routine, the moment I open my MJR tube, I take a few seconds to deeply inhale the magical scent, tell my brain to let it all go, and apply the liquid gold relief to my problem areas. And guys, it takes only minutes to feel the promised relieving effect. So take advantage of Joe's special discounted holiday offer. Neither stock up or just give yourself the gift of relief. You won't regret it. If you're feeling Melody's turtleneck and want some muscle and joint relief of your own, head over to mjskinrelief.com. The MJ Minis make excellent stocking stuffers. They fit in your pocket for localized relief on the go. I keep the 2.5-ounce tube of MJ Relief on my nightstand. Whether for your medicine cabinet, carry-on, or gym bag, MJ Relief is the gift that keeps on giving for those with daily aches and pains. Shop online to support my small business at mjskinrelief.com and use promo code CASUALLYBAKED, all one word, for 10% savings. The Sustainability Roll-Up is presented by OCB Rolling Papers. In perfect harmony with natural sustainable practices, it's always been the OCB signature to provide the highest quality, responsibly sourced, and sustainably crafted rolling papers. I had a wonderful weekend catching up with my cannabis community at the Emerald Cup Harvest Ball in Santa Rosa, California. It had been two years since seeing many of my farmer friends and industry colleagues. But of course, we picked up right where we left off, discussing ways to collaborate, preserve the heritage of craft cannabis farming, and educate consumers and home gardeners on the ways and importance of supporting regenerative agriculture. I gathered a lot of story ideas that I look forward to sharing with you in the new year, and I captured some of the insightful panel discussions I attended, which I'll upload to the Casually Baked YouTube channel over the next couple of weeks. As we've discussed on the podcast, it's a scary time for small farmers. My friend Johnny at Huckleberry Hill Farms was quoted calling it an extinction event. So today, I want to spotlight a team of regenerative craft cannabis farmers focusing on teamwork rather than competition to keep their dreams and farms afloat. FarmCut is a group of five small heritage family farms that care about the earth, sustainable practices, and quality cannabis. If you visit a cannabis dispensary, you'll typically see jars upon jars of tiny machine-trimmed nugs. We call those smalls. You rarely find nice, chunky, lightly trimmed buds. This method of quick machine trimming used by so many producers degrades the traditional and careful craft of flower preservation. In fact, as soon as cannabis flower is trimmed, it begins to lose its freshness and vitality. So the farm cut family of farmers decided to share what's actually in their personal head stash, 
full-flower cannabis without the trim. With minimally processed flour, you get all the good stuff, which includes the sugar leaves. The sugar leaf is the guardian and protector of the terpenes and cannabinoids inside those nice frosty colas. Farm cut leaves that protective layer of sugar leaves on the flowers throughout the supply chain. So when it reaches us as consumers, the trichomes have remained intact, preserving the full spectrum of cannabinoids and terpenes inside, which translates to us as aroma, flavor, and overall experience. Some people like myself simply grind and smoke those sugar leaves with the flour. They can also, though, be removed right before enjoying a smoke and saved up for making homemade teas, tinctures, oils, and edibles. When you purchase farm-cut flour, you are supporting small-scale, diversified farmers who care about the health and well-being of the planet. All farm-cut farmers are Sun and Earth certified, and their flour is stored in airtight, reusable canning jars with a lid made of flax fiber using zero virgin plastic. If you live in California and want to experience the finest whole plant cannabis produce on the market that's grown with TLC for the earth, ask your dispensary to carry FarmCut. Learn more at farmcutcannabis.com. And no, they did not pay for this message. <laughs> I'll also include more information about these amazing farms and farmers in the podcast 216 show notes at casuallybaked.com. And when you make such careful considerations on the flour you purchase, it only makes sense to be mindful of what you roll it in. That's why I choose OCB Rolling Papers. All OCB papers are plants to puff and made in a facility that's powered by 100% green energy. OCB offers a full line of papers made with sustainable fibers, including flax, wood, organic hemp, bamboo, and virgin wood. All come in a full line of sizes in both booklets and cones. You'll find no GMOs, no chlorines, and no dyes in OCB papers. And if you're shopping for a cannabis newbie this holiday season, might I suggest gifting them with joint rolling skills. Get a Roll With Me starter kit at ocbusa.com backslash baked. You'll get four booklets of OCB and a rolling tray for only $4.99. This bundle is worth 20 bucks, and I don't know if it'll be around in the new year. Of course, you must be 21 and older to buy OCB Rolling Papers and to follow the natural wonders of OCB on social, at OCB underscore USA. Ask for OCB wherever you buy your papers. And catch the latest episodes of Roll With Me on the Casually Baked YouTube channel, Instagram, and on the WeedTube. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, please rate and review Casually Baked the Podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That one small action helps other can of curious folks find highly responsible discussions like this one with Jared about little everyday ways to take care of you so that you're inspired to help others. Now, there's some newbie CBD discussion in the beginning before we dive into happy hormones, input management, honing communication, plus ways to approach meditation and emotional awareness. If you're ready to start having better days, this podcast is for you. 
So smoke them if you got them and settle in. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. Jarrett Robertson, thank you so much for joining me on this Friday morning podcast. Um, I'm excited that we're just going to talk about awesome shit today, right? <laughs> That's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> awesome shit. I like it. That's right. So Jared is an athlete. He's a financial advisor, and he is also an author of this book, Make It a Great Day, How to Feel Awesome So That You Can Help Others. I mean, that's what it's all about. I tell people all the time, take care of you first. If you don't take care of you first, how are you going to take care of other people? And they always say, Joanna, that's easy for you to say. You're single. You don't have kids. You don't have a spouse. You don't have pets. And now I'm here with a married man with two kids, and I'm sure you have pets, and you're living this lifestyle too. I am, absolutely. You know, and the one thing I'll say that, Joe, about you want to take care of yourself so you can help others, the whole concept behind that, I'm sure you would agree with it, is that um, sometimes it comes off, or I think some people think it's uh, selfish. And I contemplate that and talk to a lot of people about those things. And in reality, um, I go back to the analogy and it's on the back of the cover actually about in, in an airplane, how they always instruct you to when the oxygen mask drops to put on yourself first and then help someone else. And the whole idea is that, you know, if, if I, as a parent, I want to, I want to save my kid, but if I'm trying to save my child and I don't have oxygen, I'm going to, right. I won't survive. Yeah the whole point of put it on yourself first, you know, and that's an extreme situation, obviously, because, um, I think I can speak as a parent that, you know, I'd, I'd rather save my child in those situations ahead of myself. But <clears throat> the concept of this book is, you know, are you taking care of yourself so that you can be the best version of you every day so that you can help other people, whether it's at your job or your family, uh, or whatever it is you're doing, but, yeah, if you're not feeling great every day or finding ways to feel great, how can you have fun in a day? How can you do great things? Amen. And your best self is better equipped at handling everything. You know, I always do these little things and I call it taking care of future Joe, like setting my future self up for success. And one of the things that I love right off the bat is the idea of setting the goal of consistency. You know, we do so much holding ourselves to the fire on different things and then failing. The wheels start coming off and people are like, oh, fuck it. Let's just, mm -hmm. you know, eat 12 cheeseburgers. They'll be done with the mm -hmm. diet. I screwed up. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. when you set the goal of just like trying to be consistent, like for me, it was just doing those small things every day to get where I wanted to go. And it just feels more manageable that way. You can't. You can't fail if you choose consistency, right? So, and I know a, a lot of the topics that are coming up with this, uh, with the book and, and a few questions that have been asked is, um, you know, how do you decide on those little things? And they're boring, right? Um, <laughs> tie your shoelaces, put on a pair of shoes, drink some water, um, laugh, things like that. They're mundane, but they're not celebrated as we get older, right? They're not celebrated as adults. You just told me your story. Um, you're in a farmhouse. Um, you took over this big space. You built a podcast studio. 
Like, why isn't that like, wow, holy good job. How does, how'd you do that? Walk me through it. And it's not that I want to be over the top. I just think it's so important that um, with our littles and kids and I littles and all, we celebrate everything, right? My kid colors, uh, uh, scribbles on a piece of paper. <gasps> what is that? It's a scribble on a piece of paper. It's a forest. Wow. Right. And they feel good. And there's a reason for that, Joe. Like we all feel good if we tap into the right thing. Now, I, I don't want to be dramatic and, and over the top all the time, but I just think it's important. And it's how I've learned too. So that's why I can, you know, why I wrote the book and why I like talking to people is saying to Joe, good job. Good for you. You know, walk me through that. How did it go? What, what, did, what made you decide to move and you know, your ideas. That's pretty cool. Um, so I think those are the things that need to be celebrated and, and it just feels good to, to, to do those things. Right. It absolutely does. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, this is a cannabis podcast and people are like, okay, where are you going with this show? <laughs> Bring in the cannabis. But, you know, that's one of the things that I learned early on was that cannabis really did help me in finding the good perspective, reframing situations, quieting the, you know, the judgy part of my brain and, and allowing me to be more playful. And so during this whole thing, it's like cannabis has become my co-pilot. There are all of these things that I can do on my own to affect change and to, to raise my vibration and feel good. But, you know, some days you're sluggish. Some days you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. And when you have a plant medicine that can help you get over that hump or like get the momentum going to then be able to have a great day, you know? So for me, it is the idea of how I set my mind and the different activities that I do, but also knowing what are the things in my wellness toolkit that can help me. And, you know, one of the things that you parse out in the book are all of our happy hormones, you know, controlling our chemical reactions. Well, our endocannabinoid system, you know, does a lot of these same things. So, you know, we can learn how to strategically create dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin and, and you know, and the endorphins to feel good. So let's, let's dive in and talk about that fun <laughs> stuff. I would, I would, my comment to that is, <clears throat> so I'm learning uh, a lot about the uh, cannabinoids uh, and what I like about where this, where the cannabis world is going, what I've learned so far, the THC and the CBD, you know, that the people are there are, are starting to understand and it goes deeper. I think it goes back to consistency for me and you just hit the nail on the head with a, a tool, something in your toolkit. Look at if you, what, eat, there's lotion, there's smoke. Uh, what else can you do? Everything, powders, you name it, right? Yeah, sublinguals. So um, I, for me, it's a lot of supplements in the fitness world. So I, I have a ton of supplements I take um, over the years and learn from, from my coach. But if I don't um, adjust my supplements from here and there, um, learn more about it, figure out, you know, as I've been taking this every day for, for two months, should I maybe take a break? And I just got into um, some CBD and some gummies and things like that as I learned and I was never that person before. So this was one thing I was happy to talk about on this saying, you know, back in, in university, uh, when I played hockey, I was the, the beer drinker, the alcohol guy and loved to party and had fun. I never smoked weed anything. Now for me, I'm like, it's, it's different. It's changed. That's the idea, right? 
moonshine if i'm it was in the when it first came out was alcohol i'm like good lord <laughs> so now things have just changed so now i appreciate the science behind it said geez you know what I, i'm going to take these gummies um at this time or here's some supplements i could take with cbd and here's a drink uh, i went camping um with my my wife and family and a bunch of kids i said you know what i'm not gonna drink this weekend so what are you talking about and it's a camping right you go camping you get smashed I'm like no i'm not gonna drink we went for four days. I think I had five beer in four days. I had all these CBD drinks. So it was a cucumber mint soda water. And I drank it. And I thought, feel pretty good. Had another one. And I was just completely chillaxed. I had the single greatest sleeps of my life in four days. And my wife, I think I slept one day till 11 o'clock. And <laughs> I get out of bed and they go, what do you, I go, I don't know. I feel fantastic. I don't. And the other <laughs> kicker was I could get up at, you know, you could go to bed at eight, nine, ten o'clock at night, um, and you're you're feeling good. I don't know if you call it intoxicated or buzz or whatever it is. And I could wake up the next morning at six a.m. with my kids and be perfectly fine. Yeah. So that was the big one for me. There was absolutely no residual effect. Now I haven't learned a ton about that, um, but that's the CBD world for me. That I'm like, geez, if I can still you know, be me, hang out, um, have a good time and then be able to be up with my kids and be a good father and a, and a good husband and a, a good business owner and colleague, all the things. And then I'm more interested in that now. Um, now for everyone listening, when I go away, uh, my wife and I go away, we have a night out, we like to have some drinks and have some fun. So that's what we do. Right. But the residual effects now are just astronomical. And they take days. To yeah. Wear off. This days. is a true story. This is a true story. <laughs> and true you know story. the the thing that you're talking about with the CBD drinks, I do that as well with THC. So having what we call a California sober lifestyle where you you can have a drink with your friends, they may be drinking alcohol, you still have that. Um, feeling of, you know, mm -hmm. community, camaraderie, you know, cheers, whatever, but mm -hmm. I'm taking cannabinoids and you're drinking alcohol. And yes, we will wake up in the morning and feel very differently from each other. My buddy said we went fishing the next morning. And at one point, maybe the second day in, I remember it specifically said to me, he goes, he goes, how do you feel? And this was maybe eight o'clock at night. I go, fine. He goes, oh, you don't look any different. I go, yeah. And I was feeling pretty good at that point, right? Well, and CBD yeah. does not give you psychoactive effects. Yeah. It's just that yeah. lightness of being. So yeah, yeah, he wouldn't notice anything different. And and the big thing for me, because that was my first weekend, I, I told my wife, I go, I'm just going to be a science project. I'm going to throw a bunch of stuff in and see what happens <laughs> slowly. So yeah, I'm relatively new to it. And the CBD thing, I, I you know, I did feel, again, just that pretty chillax. Mm -hmm. which was good. Um, I'm not a big psychoactive person. And for me, I just didn't want to get into the slurring like you do when you, you know, you happen to be hammered with your friends. Hey, oh, what I hate is the I'm person like, that repeats the same story. Like on the third time, I'm like, you need to go to bed. I'm done hearing this story out of your mouth. <laughs> oh, so it was. And then, yeah, the next morning we were, I think we were fishing and they're like, how you feeling? I go completely normal. Yeah. I go, you, they're like, uh, we're battling. I'm like, of course you are. Yeah. Um, so it's just been a, it's been a shift, right? And that's like anything in life, right? You shift, you learn. Um, I love to evolve. I love to grow and things just change. So I'm not stuck in my ways. I'm not stuck in never going to 
smoke weed or do that. I'm like, it's changed. The science has changed, right? Well, and the science of the plant hasn't changed. Right. It's just that people are actually getting to hear the truth now because, you know, propaganda has been selling everybody a load of crap for a really long time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, okay. So let's go back to, uh, our happy hormones and the things that we can do every day to kind of create our own little cocktail of feel good hormones, you know, like dopamine. What are some of the things that release dopamine? Well, the number one thing today that everyone uses every single day, and it's an extension of their being now is their cell phone, right? Uh, so I meant good every, things. Every, <laughs> So every, yeah, but that's the number one thing that people don't get. And what I've done, one of the things I've done with my cell phone, and I mean, I get in shit for it from colleagues and and people. Um, There's not one notification on my phone. There's not one bing, buzz, pop, uh uh-oh, for anyone who knows ICQ, none of that. And, you know, I choose when I go to look at my phone, I choose because every time that goes off, you get this quick hit of dopamine. And I've challenged people. I think I wrote it in the book and I challenged friends. I'm like, look, at put it down in a meeting next time you're talking to someone. If I'm sitting with you right now and I turn this on, put it down. And if it goes off, I dare you to try to not go like, right? You won't. You're just drawn to it, right? And that's, you're so used to it for, for how many years with, with your phone going off. So that's the one thing that you get that hit. And um, let me say something, because I just recently was on a hike with my housemate and her Apple watch was dead and she was wrecked because her Apple watch was not going to get our hike in. And she was like almost to a point where she was going to be hitting some big milestone in her thing. And I was like, Mm -hmm. but you know, you hit the milestone, you know, you did it. And she's just like, it's not the same. She needed that dopamine hit. And I recently read that Gen Z kids put more value in their online life than they do in their real life. Well, and I think to add to, add to that, where I see, because my nieces and nephews, of course, right? Because the the likes, the I'm not even that social, the likes, the retweets, uh, the TikTokers. I'm, unfortunately, I'm. <laughs> you I sound this old out. right now. <laughs> I know. I know. I sound old. I but I just I've chosen not to, and I have some people who manage yeah. my my social media because I'm like, look, I need some help with this. I yeah. want to be involved with it, but I've also chosen that if I don't get the thousands of likes, I have friends or family or or a community of people who still give me that support. The people in that generation don't know how to praise other people. They only know how to like. They only know how to do that. So if their friend shows up um, and they're, they got a haircut or they're dressed differently, they don't know how to say, wow, Joe, you look good today. Cause that's weird. Yeah. They're, they'll text that's you. Awkward. That's awkward. <laughs> they're literally, you've seen people, right? Walk away and text back. I know, I know people who text each other in their home, right? And, and that's, so we're taking away the communication part and that's something I've worked hard on. I mean, I'm a social person, so I, I like being around people. I've also put myself in situations to have challenging conversations. More gets done. And some of those conversations have led to like amazing outcomes, even when they started out tough, um, because that's what, as humans, we want to be together. So I think that generation, my nieces and nephews are a big part of it. They don't know how to say, Wow, I really like you. I'll, I'll tell you an awesome story. <laughs> I got to say this. 
my son is six. <clears throat> He's in the car. He's starting to talk with girls and girlfriends. He won't ever hear this podcast, so I can't embarrass him. Um, <laughs> no, he, he's got a girlfriend or they're in grade one. Daddy, I got to tell you something. What's that? Um, Aspen. Should, can I use names? Aspen. Um, she's six. <laughs> Asked me to be her girlfriend. I said, oh, and I, and I don't react to things like, wow. I said, I go, cool, man. I go, oh, so what'd you say? And he goes on and on. So the story keeps going a couple of days later. But yesterday, um, we're in the car. And he goes, uh, dad, um, I want to tell you something. I said, yeah. Um, Mc- Aspen came up to me, told me that Mackenzie wants me to be her boyfriend. I said, wow. I go, what'd you do? And I was so impressed. He said to Aspen, six years old, I go, what'd you do? He goes, I told Aspen I wanted her to be my girlfriend. I go, good for you, man. I said, How, how'd that make you feel? He goes, what do you say? He goes, awkward or scared? I go, good. Awesome. What'd she say? And then it kind of ended. But the fact that he had, um, you know, the gumption to say, I want you to be my girlfriend to her face. That's fantastic. Right. And I think there's a generation that's missed that completely missed that. Yeah. Um, and that comes back to the parents though. Kids are modeling what they're seeing. So if a child doesn't know how to communicate or to have a hard conversation, we kind of have to look in the mirror and be like, am I good at having hard conversations? Am I a good communicator? And again, that comes down to being really conscious about who we are, how we're showing up, making sure we're taking care of ourselves so that we then can turn around and be a beautiful model for our littles. Mm-hmm. And and to add to that, I know a big challenge with a lot of people, and it's a challenge for me as well, but I, but I just something I've worked on and continue to work on. Um, we, we touched on the beginning here to take care of yourself so that you can help others, right? I don't want to just have a conversation if my kid's around saying, there's my, uh, I need to be a good model right now. My kid's listening. So have a chat with my wife or my parents or my friend while my, or someone else. So my kid sees it. I want to do that for myself, right? So that I become good at that. And that's what I would encourage people to do is, is look at yourself first. And if there's a challenging conversation, whether it's at a store or retail situation, um, there's so many things in a day or so many, um, conversations, interactions, um, where sometimes people say, I, you know, I don't want to do that. It's awkward. Or, um, what's going to be the outcome. If you have the audacity, the gumption to, um, have that conversation, it's better for you. Right. And you'll grow as a person and then you can be a model for your kid. So that's how I kind of see that. Right on. Okay. So going back to our happy hormones. So for us to feel good, There are things that we can do during the day. And so I want to talk about the things that we can do or the things that when we do them, we feel good. And, you know, it's not necessarily because this is rocket science, but it's like make the correlation. Understand that if you need to feel better, you know, what are these things that I can do? Is it listening to music? Is it going for a walk? Is it just soaking up some sunshine for 10 or 15 minutes? Is it snuggling with my pets? Like all of these things release something very important for us to raise our vibration. That's one of the things that you kind of outlined in the book, the love hormone, oxytocin. Let's start with that one. I mean, the thing with all the hormones that I've learned and I continue to learn, and and the one thing I want to promote is that you won't feel it. 
And that's probably the biggest challenge for people is when you, I I shouldn't say you won't feel. I was going to say, I disagree. I disagree. So, so if I go and just hold my wife's hand, the, the first day I met her, the first day you, you've, you go on that date and you hold hands, you hug, you feel something way more powerful than what I might today, right? Certainly. If I hold her hand, it feels good, not like it did before. And that's just, you know. Yeah, it was exciting before. Now it's just comfortable and comforting. But still oxytocin, mm-hmm. right? There's still oxytocin being released. And it also builds a little bit. Dopamine, when you, um, uh, what's a good example? Run a marathon, right? And you have the mile markers, right? The reason for those mile markers because if you didn't have them, chances are you wouldn't finish, never knowing where you are. The mile marker is, oh, mile one, oh, mile two, right? Oh, mile three. So, and for someone like me who's never going to run a marathon, <laughs> laughter, sex, these are good ones. <laughs> and those are huge, 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 right? So so sex is a big one. That's a dopamine dump. And uh, there's so there's, there's some things on that you want to be careful of too, which I love. Um, but that dump of dopamine is like taking a huge amount of, you know, a huge thing of gambling. Uh, uh, alcohol, something. That's it's a macro a dose, not yeah, a micro dose. dose. Right. So you want little doses, tasks, right? Checking off your task list um, and then adding sex in there and then laughter and all those things. Um, so I would say you do feel them just not as you would when you do physical exercise, right? Like people talk, how do I feel good? Go work out. You're going to feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, eat a healthy meal. Don't eat a healthy meal. If you don't eat a healthy meal, sure, you get some chemical reaction. You feel like shit, right? Mm-hmm. So the the little micro doses, I think, are important. And these are the, as I said in the book, I'm like, it's not exciting, but the reasons why behind this stuff, Joe, um, when I say laugh, someone says, oh, Jared, I'll, okay, laugh. I'm like, well, try it, right? Throw on a YouTube video and, and just laugh for like 10 minutes while you're driving. That's it. Just listen to something and laugh and then just go about your day. That's all. I don't want you to like write down in journal, but just do that 10 minutes a day. Do it while you're sitting on the toilet for all I care, right? Like you've got five minutes in a day and and choose to laugh. And here are the reasons why. Now, I'm not just telling you to laugh. Um, drink water is another one um, where it seems pretty boring. But if you look at and do some research, which I've done about the why, I'm like, Jesus, I've been told my whole life to drink water. We all have been. This makes uh, total sense. Then there's a mind to muscle connection as well of when I drink water, I'm like, oh, I can actually feel that stuff happening. This is better than crushing a beer or drinking a bottle of wine or a pop, right? Drinking water is good and here are the reasons, plethora of reasons. Um, You know, for me, meditation is a huge one. You know, my morning meditation is my most important meeting of the day. I spend 25 minutes And I will say that when I'm getting towards that last five minutes of my meditation and then after the timer has gone off, I absolutely feel an explosion of endorphins. And, you know, you just feel amazing so much so that it's almost like I'm sad it's over. You know, I I don't want my meditation to be over just yet because it feels so good. Mm-hmm. What, let me ask you, what meditation do you do? Cause I think it's important for listeners. Um, and I have that with my listeners and followers too, when I wrote about in the book and I started the whole down the meditation, down that road, meditation sounded very, um, hokey to me. Right. Um, and I think for a lot of people, uh, that would be the first step as all well. meditation. Like, Whoa, wait a second. There are so many different ways 
Oh yeah. Uh, of what meditation is. So like, what are some things you do, Joe, that when, it, when, what's your, what is your meditation? Well, for me, since I've been doing it for over 10 years, I've developed into meditating for 25 minutes. I didn't start there. You know, mm -hmm. I started with a few minutes and I'm a busy body and I have a busy mind. And mm -hmm. so, you know, just trying to sit still and clear my head, you know, would be how I started it, starting with a little notepad. If, you know, I kept circling back on a thought, I would just write it down, like get it out of my head, put it on paper. But at this point now it is, you know, I have binaural beats that I listen to. Um, Stephen Halpern, I love this man. I've had him on the podcast before talking about oh, sound nice. healing. Um, so I'll choose one of Stephen Halpern's playlists based on what's going on with me that day. And, you know, I just do a couple of minutes of changing nostril breathing, do some of that. Sometimes it's just, you know, breathing into my heart, but spending mm -hmm. a couple of minutes just calming myself down with breathing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, about 20 minutes of just being still and mm -hmm. breathing and listening to the music, focusing on the edges of the music. And if something comes into my head, I have mantras that, you know, I will say, I am loving awareness. You know, right mm -hmm. now I'm doing this course and the th one that we're learning is I am moving toward an enduring inner stability where nothing disturbs my inner peace. And, you know, just having something that I'm focusing on, if I'm in a, a really bad place, you know, it could be, I'm safe. Mm -hmm. I am safe. Mm -hmm. But then once I get back on track, it's then trying to clear and just listen to the edges of the music. And mm -hmm. it really is such a gift to unburden yourself with all of the bazillion thoughts. And, bazillion. Yeah. <laughs> It's Bazillion. true. And, you know, and cannabis is such a big part of that because for mm -hmm. me, I can microdose, just take a couple of puffs mm -hmm. off of whatever I have. And it helps me to get to that place a little bit quicker. And um, you talk about amygdala hijacking in your book. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a high density of CB1 receptors in our amygdala. And so, you know, the anxiety piece, if you microdose, you can soothe that anxiety. Now, if you overconsume, then you can amplify that anxiety for the very same reason. So, mm. um, you know, those are the, the little things that I do around meditation that really soothe me and set my day up for success. Mm -hmm. And I love hearing that. And thank you. That is literally something I now learned because I'm very interested in, in the amygdala. I've done some research, but the CB1 receptors in there makes a ton of sense right now. And I want to add to that slash question. So if you overdose, you hear of that sometimes of people having high anxiety when they get, I'll say, too high. Mm -hmm. Is yes. that what you're suggesting? So the, yes. the amygdala now is like, oh my gosh. And it's obviously the emotional response center. So it's just now it's going crazy because you, you're you're high. Mm -hmm. Just over consuming <laughs> can yeah. affect your systems. If you wanted to think of it visually, think of your receptors or locks and keys with, you know, the CB1 receptor and the THC cannabinoid, they fit together. But mm -hmm. when you're trying to explain it to someone else, I like to talk about it like they're buckets. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, if you pour too much THC in that bucket, it's going to be spilling out everywhere. And so it doesn't help you. you. You can't get past that high. You know, that's where a lot of people, when they become more addicted, it's because they can't get high enough, but that's because their buckets are so full. There's it's just overflowing. You right. can't get right. fuller. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it makes total sense. And to go back to the meditation idea and, and thanks for sharing that. Cause that's the part that I learned. So little, the music thing's been huge for me. For me, that's how it started. Cause I never wanted the mindfulness thing, slowing your mind down. It didn't work for me. I'm like, I don't know how to slow my mind down because people said, you know, be present. I'm like, I don't know how. If I sit still, my mind's gone, right? And then, so the problem with that and why the book is it was too big, too fast. So the meditation thing for me was classical music. Out of nowhere, I just threw on some classical music or however played and I was listening to it after I'd come home from the gym. So I'm on a high from the gym and I, you know, supplements and pre-workout and things I take for the gym, maxed out, feel fantastic, get in the car, and be, I don't know, 10 minutes of classical music, not really knowing why, but it just, it felt amazing. And I've got, I, I, I'm telling the God's honest truth. There was times I'd go home and I'm smiling. There's times I'd go home with a tear in my eye because it just something I would, I'd be thinking of like my dog or a past something. And I'd be like, oh, wow, it's really touching me. And it was so cool to be mindfulness and where I was. And then I was, I, and then it led to the next thing and the next thing. Um, I have a, a client, friend, coach now. Um, we're actually writing a, a second book, um, but she's an NLP specialist. We've done some work together. I lie in bed um, and listen to a lot of things she does. I have a lot of other people I do. I'm going to look up the person you just mentioned there. That uh, so nice. And I you like know, that. another yeah. thing too for people who are busy and moving a lot, the thing of a moving meditation, you know, going on a hike, but not speaking, just immersing yourself in nature and listening to your shoes crunching on the trail and smell the smells and hear the birds and look for the squirrels and and just immersing yourself in nature like that. It is a, a form of moving meditation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you don't have to sit there in Lotus and be as still as possible. If that doesn't work for you, get out and move, but shh, be quiet. Don't put, <laughs> don't put anything in your ears. You just just be quiet. <laughs> There's a part of your brain, Joe, and I just learned this and I love it. I'm happy to pass it along um, called the DMN, the default mode network. I don't know if you're familiar with it. <clears throat> and what the default mode network does is whenever you are, I call it daydreaming or, you know, just letting your mind scatterbrain. It'll do one of three things. It'll think of the future of, oh my God, I have a meeting next week or I have a podcast in, in two days. What am I going to do? So future hasn't even happened yet. And I still have right, two, three days ahead of that or months. Uh, it'll think of things in the past. What did they think? How did I do? You know, two days from now, I might be like, does Joe's like me still? What happened with that podcast? I'm like, <laughs> it's over with, right? So what am I doing thinking about? It's done. Um, or it'll turn and look at you. How do I look today? Um uh, what do people think of me? All that stuff. Right. So I learned that and I thought, geez, that sounds just about right. Whenever you're sitting around kind of, hmm, what do you th- people, what are you thinking about? Oh, next week, yesterday, all this stuff. Um, when you walk in nature or you see green space, it actually helps to lower your cortisol and allows you to be present in the moment. Very cool thing. I learned, I thought, huh? So now I will 
go take a walk and in the soccer field and look at green. And it actually, if I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm right here for sure. I'm thinking about other things. Absolutely. But I'm actually right here. Um, so that was something cool. I learned that I, that I'm happy to pass along, but your, your default mode network by walking in nature and being part of nature will allow you to be present. So that's something you can practice and practice and build on. And then maybe it leads to the next which is thing. Yes. Which is excellent stress management. You know, one of the things you talk about in the book is that the half-life of cortisol is 18 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are so many times when someone has had a huge argument with a, a coworker or a spouse or a family member. And, uh, you know, when you're like, well, what did you say? I, I don't know. I couldn't think straight. And, why didn't you that's say this? You know, no, why didn't fact. you say you this? Like, I couldn't think. Uh-huh. And it's like, yes, your brain has been taken over. And when cortisol is rushed through your system, you can't think straight. And so by just hitting pause, I take a 15 minute power nap. That's one of the things that I like to do. Power napper. I'm a big fan. <laughs> yes. The power nap the, or just get outside and uh-huh. get fresh air in your lungs. And that will help you be able to think and respond in those situations more clearly where we don't have to go back later and be like, oh, so I'm really sorry. <laughs> my, my wife, my wife will say, how do you do it? How do you nap? I'm like, watch. Just here, come up and watch. I'm like, it's really easy and I'm good at it. Um, but she can't. I'm like, it's something you got to probably practice. Um, but I don't know why I can, um, but I'm really good at it. Um, the power nap obvious. was taught to us as children because we grew up on a ranch. We mm. were the ranch hands. So we'd come home at lunch and my dad, after he ate, he would just take like a 10 minute nap. And so you either have to sit quietly and watch him nap or you just laid it down too for 10 minutes. Because oh. <laughs> if you didn't sit quietly back then, you, there were repercussions. That's right. So <laughs> I've, <for> now. <laughs> I've been power napping like a champion since yeah. I was a teenager. It's the best. It's the best. And there's some things I've caught on to and listened to too. These power naps that I do um, through Calm, they're 27 minutes. And you they, they sleep story you down and, and birds wake you up. And I am every time like, ah, oh, 27 minutes going to go by so fast right? Scatterbrain, you and I are busy. I'm lights out. I wake up to birds going, Jesus. And I feel fantastic. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of power napping. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. And so, you know, being able to manage our hormone balance is so important. And so it is in these moments thinking, and, and it is, it's silly, simple things like, oh my gosh, I just need to walk outside for a couple of minutes, or I need to watch a funny video and laugh, you know, or choosing the right music for where you are. And, you know, those little things, they seem crazy that that's helping you manage your hormones, but it does. And so does having quality sleep. And Mm -hmm. that was something that I learned when I got my genetics done and found out that I had the genes for dementia and Alzheimer's that my grandparents had, which was why I was looking at it anyway. And I wanted to know, okay, is cannabis bad for me, for who I am in my life? Do I need to... What if it was, Joe? I feel like you'd be... (laughs) That was a real serious question I had to ask myself. Careful how you answer this for me, Doc. Yeah. I know. I was like... There's only one response. (laughs) I'm like, I can't unlearn this information. 
So gratefully, my endocannabinoid system, when I had the panel, my genetics panel run, cannabis is my friend. Yay. But I also learned how effing important it was that I get good sleep. Mm. And I turned from being someone who would stay up late and still get up early and try to get shit done to now. Like I was asleep at nine o'clock last night. I got almost nine hours of sleep last night. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it is such a game changer for so many areas of our life. And I know so many people that sleep is an afterthought for them. The So 100%. The part of the book where I write about that and I tie it back to sports and I, I do more research on that today and listen to things. But I came across Dr. Matt Walker, who who's unbelievable. And uh, I learned a lot of stuff around the circadian rhythm and then tied it back to my own life and the the sports analogy about um the amount of time people invest in other things and not sleep so how much people will go and spend on a car or a custom suit or a trip or whatever it is and just laying it out there and that's the point of the book is just read this it's not wrong you can disagree with me which is perfectly fine um but if you sleep eight hours on average is, you know, the six to eight hour rule. If you sleep eight hours, that's a third of your day. That's 33% of your life. You're sleeping. How much time and effort uh, do you put into sleep? And, and I go as deep as like picking out your bed. Well, I spend 300 bucks on a mattress, spend 30 grand on a mattress, sleep on a cloud, like bring in doctors. Like it's 30 grand for the whole, your whole entire life. Right. Um, or do you do that? The blankets, the pillows, the room temperature, the humidity, the darkness, the all the stuff so that you're an absolute champion at sleeping because to your point, it's a domino effect. And the sports analogies, the amount of work these athletes do, so they're perfect before their big game, right? So they can, um, the Michael Jordans, the world, the Kobe Bryants, the Wayne Gretzky's, the Sidney Crosby's, all the sports, hockey, basketball, but... <laughs> <laughs> more hockey for me. So people get it. The amount of things athletes will do so that they are perfect uh, include sleep, right? And those things will end. Um, your business that you're running as a CEO or, or uh, the job you're in, all of that comes to an end one day, right? Those are finite things that just, they end. Uh, Simon Sinek, someone I, I watch and follow I like and love. Him. Yeah. He, he talks about the infinite and, and finite games. I'm like, geez. And he opened my mind. I'm like, it's so true. Cause I, I want to win every day. That's my thing. Win. And then he's like, what do you want to win at? I didn't get to talk to him personally, but I would love to, um, I win at marriage. I'm like, Oh, I guess you don't win at marriage, but I'm the best husband. Oh, I, I, I think sometimes my wife thinks I am other times, probably not. And then I don't win at business and I love my job, my career. I'm like, this is going to come to an end. I've watched it around me, right? I've watched people leave or get fired or quit or get packaged. Like it's over. Sleep doesn't end. That's your entire life, right? So that's why I, I do so much more research with sleeping and, and try to tell people like, how good are you sleeping? Because you could wake up the next morning and there goes a whole day, right? Grouchiness, mood, your hormones, all the stuff, working out, eating properly, your decisions you make, if it is business. And all of a sudden you've lost a whole day because you slept like shit the night before. Like that's, that's true stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's another so. place where cannabis can be such a valuable tool. Say you have, 
you've analyzed your sleep space. You're like, okay, I have a great bed, cozy sheets, best blanket ever. You know, my phone's on airplane mode. There's no other electronics on. Everything's dark and you still sleep like shit. Then consider cannabis, you know, Mm -hmm. CBN, CBD, THC, all of these different cannabinoids. There's so many different products and different ways to use cannabis for sleep. And so, you know, the other side of the coin is somebody who has a shitty sleeping environment, but they just take a ton of cannabis to go to sleep every night. Like that's not good. Right. Because you can wake up with a a THC hangover. You can wake up feeling a little groggy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's all about creating a consistent environment, but then also, you know, just everything in moderation, especially, you know, our, our cannabis, in my opinion, like I think microdosing, if you're using it for a wellness lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, being able to microdose um, throughout the day or in different scenarios, you aren't ever going to have that problem where it's overriding other systems or flooding you to where Mm -hmm. you are overly anxious or you have no motivation. Mm -hmm. So it's a puzzle for sure. Yeah. And I would say to that, what I've learned and where the road I'm going down with that and appreciate the information you're giving me around that too. Everyone knows, again, this isn't rocket science and it's not wrong. You know, a slice of pizza or two is not healthy for you. you. We know that. Right. And I'm talking, you know, greasy, good, you know, pizza. I think people. I'm like, I lived in Italy for a while and it was a food group for me. (laughs) It was amazing. Right. And people could say, I can make the healthiest pizza. I get it. I'm talking, you know, your pizza. People know that, you know, drinking a couple bottles of beer, a glass of wine, it's not healthy for you. It's okay. But the point of the, uh, the cannabis, the THC, what I'm starting to learn is it can become an actual health benefit. It's becoming a supplement. Right. So I like where you're going. And the things were that you're saying around, you know, these things as part of a wellness lifestyle, along with healthy eating and sleeping and laughing. I'm like, yeah, this is totally part of it. Absolutely. Because you know, some of the stuff you're doing. Um, and I've got friends and colleagues all the time who are asking, you know, what are some things I can change? So I don't, what do you eat in a day? I'm not telling you to change your whole diet, but don't eat a, you know, don't eat a large pizza before we go to bed. You know that. You don't need me. You know that. Yeah. Although crampy, you feel like shit. You know, I will say though, I I love the Huberman lab podcast, Dr. Andrew Huberman. And one of the things, you know, when we were talking earlier about the circadian rhythm and the things that we can do to kind of get ourselves there, I was so proud to hear him say that having a bunch of carbs before you go to bed Mm. helps you sleep well. So you can eat the carbs, you know, mm-hmm. I will eat pasta for dinner unapologetically now, but you know, I don't lose my mind. I don't eat mm-hmm. too much mm-hmm. of it. You know, it's mm-hmm. a little bit, not all of it. And this is no different than, and I'm certainly not the expert because I've got coaches and some nutritionists that help me along that same thing, right? You eat a whole plate of pasta, you're going to overflow. You're going to feel like crap. Absolutely. There's some different carbohydrates, high glycemic, low glycemic mixed with fats and certain proteins can help you sleep, of course. Right. Um, So this is, again, part of the book. And I appreciate is that I want people to literally take some information and go, huh, and do some more research. Um, So how this got started, too, is I got introduced to Simon Sinek's first video, though, start with why out of the blue, a colleague of mine 
have you ever watched this? I said, no, it was 18 minutes, went and watched it. I went, huh, click, 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 another video. Huh, click, 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 now, rabbit hole, right? For 10 years now, roughly. And that's the point of this book is I want to, I want this to be, uh, you know, a continuation of lots of research out there, but there is an idea in the book for everyone. Is the whole book going to resonate with every single person? No, but a whole bunch of people are going to appreciate the laughing thing. Go, huh? Right. And you see some of the chemicals or the chemical reaction to drink water um, or um, speak to a friend, pet a dog. Something's going to resonate in there for everyone. And then uh, what the goal is for them to do a bit more research, right? And they can start to learn for themselves and help. And so they can turn around and help others. Um, so yeah, I think with the past and the food thing is it's, it's a good, good thing to learn for sure. Well, and you know, it's all about creating your own roadmap. We're all precious snowflakes. Nobody's special, but we're all uniquely us and we have to find our own groove. And you know, the, older I get, the more information I've taken in, you know, you can just be a lot more clear of like, this works for me. I'll leave that, that alone, that, that stuff doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. But you know, one of the biggest things for me that, and you also touch on this in the book is controlling your inputs. And you know, you don't watch the news. I don't fucking watch the news. You know, uh, 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 why not? Why not? No. But how, how are you supposed to know anything, Joe? Yeah. How are you supposed to find anything out? Mm -hmm. How am I supposed to get brainwashed if I won't watch the news? And, you know, so not turning on the television first thing or not logging onto social media as soon as you wake up, like create some sacred space for yourself to figure out how to take care of yourself. You know, the first 30 minutes of my morning I wake up, I have a little prayer that I say, I have some mantras and, you know, it's all dark in my room. I'm in my bed. It's not like I'm having to go do something, mm -hmm. but it's just like having those few moments of, you know, recognizing, feeling my body and how, you know, does something hurt? Did I sleep weird anywhere? And, mm -hmm. you know, just getting really clear on how I'm fucking feeling before I even present. get out of bed. And, you know, those are the sorts of things that you can do that in two minutes, three minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's an excuse to say, great ideas, Joanna, I don't have time. Mm -hmm. One of the things I learned, the meditation idea and trying to be present, because um, you can do this in your mind and you don't need time because you can just do it. So for example, right now we could be doing it while we still chat. Um, but my left foot's on the floor. My right foot's on the floor. My hands are folded on my stomach. I have headphones on my head. Coffee. There's a coffee thing right here. Just, and then my mind can't go phew, somewhere else, right? I'm talking to Joanne. There's a microphone here. So when people are, so an easy one's walking for anyone. You're like, how do I be present? I want you to, when you walk, go left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. And you'll be right here. And it's, it actually builds a muscle to help you meditate and be present. Um, so to your point, you've done well with mindfulness. How's my body feeling? So you're actually going, how's my hips feeling? How are my knees feeling? Let me roll over. Oh, my shoulder feels bad. You're, you're here. You're present. So when people say, I don't have time, like you do, here's the tool. It's boring. I'm not trying to be exciting. You want to be exciting, climb a mountain, go ahead. What I'm saying is get to the bottom of the mountain, put on your shoe. That's boring. Good job. And that's not celebrate. Well done. You showed up to the bottom of the mountain. Yeah. Friggin holy shit. Right. Put on the next shoe. Okay. Take four steps forward or one, two, three. 
Are you tired? Hey, take a break, right? And keep going there. So that that was one thing I learned too, was just talking in my head or out loud, but depending on where you are, out loud might be a little weird. So talking in your head about the things you're doing right there. I'm, I'm buttering toast. I'm making breakfast. My kids are sitting in the chair. My wife's on the couch. I'm having a coffee. You're right here. And it builds a muscle in your brain to help you to start to be more present. And that's the part you won't feel. And I talk about that, but it's working. And once you're present, you can start working on emotional management. I'm present. How do I feel in this moment? Is that different than how I want to feel in this moment? Be aware of those things so that you don't have that moment where you just all of a sudden lash out or have a tantrum because you've been ignoring how you're feeling. And all of a sudden, it's like the emotion is just like, I'm coming out whether you like it or not. So (laughs) you touched on it. So I'm going to go back to the amygdala. I would say, well, it's not the only thing to learn, but there it is, right? There's something to learn. The amygdala is is the emotional response. And you talked about controlling the input. So anything we've ever learned in our life has been from external sources as a young kid. Um, And I talk about early on and when I was growing up, I'm 40 now. So it was, you know, parents, school, friends, right? Not work for me when you're young. And everything you learn is from external source, told, 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 right? My parents tell me all this stuff. I believe them. Um, grandparents, all this stuff. Now it's, uh, and sorry, the news too, for parents when we're growing up. Um, now it's social media. There's a huge one, right? So when you take something in, you'll agree with me, you can't unsee it or unhear it. As you just said, I can't unlearn it. So I take it in and it goes to the amygdala. So there's something, you know, I learned and people got to learn to say, no matter what, it's a default. It goes to the amygdala and then it assigns an emotion. From there, you can decide, what do I do with this? And that takes practice. And the whole cortisol thing kicks in from there because I was learning that when I'm in a heated discussion or I'm frustrated, whether it's with my spouse or my kids or colleagues, whatever, I can feel it now, right? I can feel it getting heated. I'm going, okay. I'm going to start to shut down here. Mm-hmm. Not, not cause I want to, uh, yeah. there's cortisol flooding in. I'm going to get heated. You know, this, yeah. you're like, my ears pissed. are getting hot. Yeah, my just heart rate is yeah, they, building. I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to be able to literally have this communication. So take a walk or whatever. And, and I'm telling you, one of the toughest things is if you're in a, I don't always say heated, but if you're in a conversation where it's difficult, heated something, one of the most challenging things is to say, Joanna, I'm not in a good spot right now. Let's take 15 minutes. The other person's going to go, what? What are you you talking about? We're arguing right now. This isn't over, right? Um, But it's because you can't think properly. And and an example I have, I tell people, like how many times you mentioned it, two or three days later, you go, oh, I should have said this. You know what? What I really meant was this. And the challenge now you can think because your cortisol levels are down, your brain's now functioning properly. You couldn't have come up with that in that moment because cortisol is there to protect your brain, right? It, it, it breaks you down to black and white thinking and it's your way or the highway. So if you can take that break, that's a challenging thing to do. But knowing those things, and that's the part of the book that I want to get out to people is learn about the amygdala, learn about cortisol. Cause the next time you're in that situation, you might go, okay. I always say to myself, like, I'm, I'm dumb right now. I can't do this right? Yeah. Kids, kids just take you over the top. Sometimes my kids, I look, I'm like, I, I've looked at my wife before I, I go, I don't know how to parent this right now. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to research it. Cause I, 
I don't know what to do because he's coming back at me, my kid. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna murder my kid. I go, what? I don't, and I don't know the response, but I know what's happening in my brain. So I'm like, I, yeah, I got to take a knee. Yeah. <laughs> I got to take a knee. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know what to do. And that's, that's, that's true story. That's true for anyone in those situations. Right. And I think it feels really brave in the moment to do that because, you know, silence can sometimes feel so uncomfortable and you feel the pressure of needing to respond, but to be able to just stop and be like, okay, this is not going well. And be able to breathe through that and take what you need so that you can show up and be present because chances are the other person isn't present either. They're firing the way you are. We're feeling each other's energy. Our energy extends out beyond our bodies. So if you're having some sort of a situation with someone, you're in each other's energy. And so even taking the time to just step away, walk away, give each other 20 feet to even get out of each other's energy and to be able to clear your own. Like I said, it's brave to do that because mm. we are one of those people. It's like, we started this, we're finishing it now. <laughs> and that's human behavior, right? Like you're, you're gonna, and that's the cortisol kicking in from what I've learned too, is it's, if you and I are arguing, then now I want to win. Right. And obviously some people are, will overpower and you'll see that the boss employee thing, but it's not that the boss is winning. It's the employees maybe giving up because you're my boss. Right. Because if the boss argues with the next, so you see a lot of that in business politics, right. All that mm -hmm. stuff. I get it. Um, but in relationships, you might see that um, maybe not in friendships. So I think it depends on the situation. I have an example of a, of a colleague of mine, a good, a good friend. He is way better at me at the silence game. And when you mentioned sometimes silence can be uncomfortable, I would just go out and limb saying it is uncomfortable um, for me too. And I've practiced it the whole count to three before you say something. And I encourage people the next time because people will speak within three seconds. I can't beat my colleague. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I sit there and I'm like, one, two, three. It's like six. I'm like, come on, man. And, and then I'm like, so anyways, what do you think? Um, please speak. And he just sits there stone faced. And he's thinking he's in his space too, but I can't beat him. I can't beat him at the science game. He's just better at it, right? That's an art form. My sister back in the day was doing these silent retreats, helping host them. And I was just like me keeping my mouth shut for like four <laughs> days. It's torture. But now it I'm like, I would, you know, that's something that is pushing me outside of my comfort zone. So probably something I should try at some point. Um, should we go together? <laughs> want to go to want to meet at a retreat and just say, just look at each it. other and wave. You know what? And that actually, this is a, a good segue into, you know, what are some of the things that we can do to push ourselves you know, just a little bit to help develop these skills and to be more mindful and more present in deciding how our day is going to go instead of, you know, being a victim of it. Thank you for that question, because the point of this book and when I've told anyone why I wrote it um, and how the ideas came to be was I'm busy and it feels like we have a lot of, of the same tendencies, but I see the top of the mountain. I've got goals. As a matter of fact, the analogy I use with my business partner is that I'm on the 18th green putting for the championship. He's in the 
locker room prior to the first tee off on day one. And he is just methodical. And I'm like, I'm, I'm winning this tournament, right? Like it's already done in my head. He's taking every shot. He's doing all the things. So it's been really therapeutic for me stepping back to go, you know, what are those little things and realizing that these little boring, monotonous things are helping. And that's the point of the book. I want to get out to people is you don't need to make these massive changes recognize that things you're doing in a day are fantastic and they need to be celebrated. You may not get, you know, when you're taking 10 minutes to laugh or meditate, I get someone's not coming around saying, Hey, good job. Call me, write me, tell me you're doing these things. And I'd be happy to say, awesome. Good for you. And again, I'm not out to be over dramatic. Say, Oh my God, you meditated today. That's ridiculous. But Hey, awesome. How did that go? What are some things you felt? What are some things you did? Um, It's the littlest things that do help us go forward. And what I've recognized, Joe, is just they're just not celebrated and we don't appreciate them, right? Um, but I want people to understand uh, I'm a thousand miles an hour and and I always have been. So these are the things that I've done to help me saying, thinking, all right, you know, writing that first page of the book, I was like, uh, I'm already on stage in front of 10,000 people coming up after Tony Robbins. How's that going to work? <laughs> right. Like I'm there, I'm there. And that'll, that, that'll probably never happen. But I'm like, but I wrote a book and I'm like, but I wrote a page, a page, a page. Now I'm talking to Joe. How would I have ever met Joe? Like, this is really cool to me. And I love doing this stuff. So I can go back and say, uh, yeah, I wrote a page of a book and that's how it started. Right. Well, and I think one of the things that you do that you haven't said is, you know, that visualization that on page one, you are already visualizing <laughs> being finished Me and, Tony. and, Me and yeah, Tony. Me <laughs> being the next Tony Rhodes. So, you know, that <laughs> is a huge piece of it is seeing yourself winning, seeing yourself happy and, and on the other side of it versus mm-hmm. visualizing that you're going to get buried in all these pages and never finish a book. And so, you know, a lot of people aren't born as a half glass full kind of a person. I've been called Pollyanna my whole life. And so I get it. Everybody's not like me, but you can train yourself to look at things that way, to visualize the good shit. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I want to be transparent with everything that I do uh, as transparent as I can without getting into every detail. Um, I've got shitty things in my life, right? Um, I got a lot of shitty stories and a lot of shitty things. And I tell people, I'm like, like, do you want to have a shitty day? All right, come on over here. Let's, let's start talking. Ask me about this, 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 and we'll go into some detail. I might cry. I might rip your head off. I might go silent. I got a lot of shitty things. I don't bury them because that's also important with health, right? You don't bury all this stuff, handle them, deal with them. I'm, I'm a big fan of going to see a therapist. Um, for so many different reasons. And there's a stigma around that that I would love to, you know, say, what do you mean the stigma out therapists? They're fabulous. Um, so there's a lot of shitty things that that I have to deal with in a day, but I choose to do these things. And, you know, one of the sayings that I love is, is life's not too short, but life's extremely valuable. And the reason why I've, I've grasped onto that, Joe, is because when people say the old saying of life's too short, I'm like, Okay, life's too short. I'm like 85 years, 90 years, 70 years. I don't care. I'm like, Joe, if I told you, listen, after this call, I just want you to go for a walk. You're like, cool. But I want you to walk for two days straight. <laughs> yeah. You're going to laugh and go, what the, what are you talking about two days? I'm like, that's a, what is that crazy? This is that a long time? I'm like that's forever. Who walks for two days straight? I'm like, oh, so two days is forever, but 85 years is life's too short. What are you talking about? 
Like, how does that, how does that match up? Life's too valuable for sure. Um, cause things might happen. Right. So I get when, when tragedies happen or sicknesses and that's, you know, I've got lots of stories, young family members, young, good friends, like things happen. Right. And it's sad and it's hard and you go through it. But those are the things I want to pass along. Like here's some tools and, and don't get me wrong that, you know, the laughing, the drinking water, the exercising, if something tragic happened, I can't just say, but going to laugh and drink some water. No, 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 no. But what are some other tools I have? Because this one's going to be a, a little tougher to climb, right? This one's going to be tougher to get through. But on the day-to-day, shitty day at work, a crappy sleep, I get it. Um, you ate like shit. Um, something where your day shifts. Are you also implementing your day? Just a couple of things to, to increase those chemicals, right? Like give yourself some dopamine, hug a dog, get a massage, eat the proper food, exercise, go out in green space. These things will change how you feel and that'll change your mood as you deal with the other stuff. Because if you just compound all the bad things, we see it every day, right? And one thing, because I am all about living my life as an experiment and I encourage people all the time to use a dosage tracker with their medicine. But I would also encourage you to use a journal as a little dosage tracker for your day and your mood. And if you're new to trying to make things happen versus being a victim to your life. Journaling is such a a nice thing to do, whether or not that's just a few bullet points of like highlights of my day, a couple of the things that I struggled with, how I handled it. Um, You know, called my mom today, those sorts of things. If you just do that for a, a few minutes, I mean, you can fit three days on one page. I'm not saying you have to write a bunch, But when you go back and look, you can see those small incremental changes that you are making in your own life, in your own personality. I mean, I am not the same person that I was 25 years ago as a 20-year-old, like Mm -hmm. moving out into the world. I was an angry, aggressive (laughs) little thing. With no tools, right? You're just, you're explaining no tools. And the, the one thing... I want to add to that. I guess it's a question as well. So, so I add to this, but one of the things I've learned from, I'll say the most successful people, they write. I'm like, huh, it seems like everyone's writing all these people who are quote unquote happy and mindful. Um, they write. So I started that a few years ago too. Kills me to do it. It's so slow. And so if anyone's listening to this, I'm like, I, I'm, I, I can't like, I'm like, I'm like, here's my th- hundred miles an hour. Um, but again, shocking how therapeutic it is. And that's the why behind it. When someone's write it down, like writing it down, like this motion's not doing it. It's slowing your brain down just to go. I did this today. Hmm. And I'm not thinking about tomorrow, yesterday myself. I, I'm, I'm right here writing that. That's the why behind it. And so it was very slow, but it's so therapeutic. And that's the why people will tell you to, to journal and write things down and get it out of your head. Um, and while thing, you're writing, make sure you're writing down, like, what are the things that I'm awesome at? What are the things that I love about myself? What are the things that I want to change about myself? What are the things that I'm not proud of about mm-hmm. myself? Because when we do know our why, you know, that's the first question I ask people as their cannabis lifestyle guide. Why do you want to consume cannabis? What are you hoping that it's going to do for you? So we have to do that for ourselves and our own 
everyday life. Like, where am I killing it? And where do I need to get better? And putting that stuff on paper gives you some sort of goal to work from, you know, that little consistency piece where I'm, I'm working on my temper. I'm working Mm -hmm. on my patience. Mm -hmm. I'm working on receiving, you know, whatever these Mm -hmm. things are. And it's slowly but surely, right? And that goes back to the first 10 minutes we talked about consistency. I was saying, you know, you can't fail with consistency. Um, and one of the things I learned uh, is one of the first parts of the book when it started to come into fruition was that uh, psychoanalysts say 92% of people fail on their New Year's resolutions. I'm like, whoa, that's interesting. I'm like, but completely believable. January 1st hits, I want to lose 100 pounds. Holy shit. I want to quit smoking. I'm like, you've been smoking for 25 years. What are you talking about? I'm going to lose a pound. Perfect. Good job, right? I want to go to the gym once a week. I'm going to walk. I want to, I want to one less cigarette. And then your goal is consistency. And then you don't fail. You're part of the 8% who are, who are crushing it. 8% of, of, of a population um, is incredible, right? If you're 8% of something, holy, like I'm unique. So I, I, I want to tell people is don't, it's not the goal of, of running a marathon. I'm like, run a hundred meters. I'll be at the end line and I'll give you a high five. I'm not going to throw a party for you. I'll give you a high five. Awesome enough. Tomorrow, come do it again. And then when you're good and ready, run 200 meters. And if it takes you 10 years to run a marathon, you didn't fail. And you ran a marathon. I don't care if you're 40, 50, 100. You ran a marathon. If your goal is to run a marathon, you ran it. If it's to run a marathon in world record timing, yeah, you probably need to be a little younger and in good shape and all the things. But I, I know people who are, well, they're all over the world, but I personally know somebody 68 now, I think, or something like that, runs marathons. I'm not running a marathon ever. I could barely run two kilometers, right? So I think that's amazing. Don't care how fast he runs it. It's not a point. You run a marathon. So those are the consistency pieces that I think people need to grasp onto. And again, it goes back to just being, it's got to be celebrated. Get a network of people. Again, write me, call me something. Jared, I did this. Um, I, I would love to be in your corner to say, well done. Here's the next thing. Try this. You know, give me a challenge. Try to do it. You know, so this is <laughs> airing in December. We're at the end of another strange year. Um, and so, yeah, I like having this conversation as people are thinking about the new year, you know, new year, is it going to be the same you, is it going to be a little bit better version of you? Like we all get to decide what that is. So, you know, are you someone that makes new year's resolutions or based on your lifestyle, you're like, that's, I don't need that. Zero. I, I don't think I ever have. And I, well, I make goals every day and then I break them and then I make new ones and I break them. And then I, then eventually I go back. I'm like, Oh, I set that goal like four years ago and I'm here. Right. In your subconscious mind, um, a thing called your RAS. So you'll eventually get there. If it's, if it's important to you, you'll get there adding to the consistency part and the goal setting and the new year's resolutions. Um, a conversation I had with a colleague was, um, I wanted to lose, um, 10 pounds or whatever, 15 pounds, right? The I'm like, okay, so you want to lose 15 pounds in a year. Got it. January, December, um, December 31st comes around. You've lost uh, 10 pounds. Your goal was 15. Did you fail? They said, yeah. I'm like, okay. But then three months later, you kept going and you lost 15 pounds. 
So did you just get the timeline wrong? Because it was an arbitrary number you made up, right? 12 months, 15 pounds. Perfect. Write it down. So you didn't, but you got to 15 pounds. Fantastic. That's amazing. So next time you adjust your goals to make it, oh, 15 months, right? Or 12 months, 15 months, 15 pounds. So it was an arbitrary number you made up. I want to make this much money. I want to own this business. I want to write a book in 10 weeks, 10 months. But you wrote the book, right? You ran the marathon, you climbed the mountain. Um, so the goal is important to set, but you got to adjust it along the way, right? And again, the small things, but they need to be celebrated. And I would say by far one of the biggest challenges for anyone I've talked to, friends of mine, is, is that, again, being celebrated, having someone in your corner, building that network saying, good job. Wow. Right? So. All right. Well, if people want you in their corner, Jarrett, how do they find you? Uh, I would say the easiest ways is the website, um, make it a great day.ca. Um, it's got all my, I should, all my social media. I'm, we talked about me being old. I don't have a lot of social media. I've, <laughs> I have a few pieces of social media. Apparently I don't have them all. Um, but everything's in there to get a hold of me. And yeah, I would love to hear from people with their goals and, and I'm happy to be in people's corner to help celebrate the little things that they're doing. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you, um, joining me. I mean, I love this shit. This is the stuff. This is what it's all about. Like, mm -hmm. how can I enjoy my experience in this life? It's not about having the perfect job or the perfect outfits or shoes or all the shit. It's about feeling good. Mm -hmm. And so thanks for nerding out with me on this today. Enjoy the rest of your day. You've got a whole day in sunny California. Yes. Well, it's a foggy, uh, drizzly rain kind of a day. And that's a perfect day for me to be indoors writing and creating. So I am not complaining. Got, I got snow this morning. Mm, I'm not ready for that. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're in Toronto, right? Yeah. Uh, just east of Toronto. Yeah. But okay. GTA. Yeah. Yeah. I so like it's that. Gonna, it's going to get cold soon. I do like that part of the world, but you definitely, there's a a certain constitution to live through that kind of cold weather. <laughs> I don't know that I have. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's good. All right. Well, let me look over here in the comments. Um, somebody is saying that you are their hero. He's excited to read your new book. Weedy head alien. I like it. Yeah. Hero. Wow. Thank you. Hero. feels good to be somebody's hero. Uh, it does just like that. Hey, I'm a hero. All right. Well, thank you everybody for hanging out. And um, hopefully I'm your cannabis hero. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, I'll keep trying. You know, I got goals. I'll be consistent. I'll see y'all next week. If you're motivated by today's conversation to make some subtle shifts in your everyday experience, I hope you'll share this podcast with your smoke circle. You can find Jarrett's book, Make It a Great Day, How to Feel Awesome So That You Can Help Others, on Amazon in softcover and Kindle. The narrated version by Jarrett, in case you prefer him reading to you, is available on Audible. And if you're inspired to use cannabis like me as both a wellness and lifestyle enhancement tool, I'm making space to bring on three or four new coaching clients in the new year. I am a solution facilitator when it comes to onboarding and dialing in your unique relationship with plant medicines. 
I help you define and develop healthy habits that align with your lifestyle. I provide a lighthearted, judgment-free atmosphere for you to receive and develop inspiration, consistency, accountability, and community. I also share my favorite lifestyle tools for setting future you up for happiness and success. You can learn more about working with me in the podcast 216 show notes at casuallybaked.com. If you're ready to lead an inspired and healthy life, I'm ready to work with you. As always, email your requests or can of curious questions through the website or DM me on social. I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and the WeedTube. And if you find value in the quality cannabis content I'm churning out every week, you can show me love in a couple of different ways. First, you can shop Casually Baked Affiliates, which can be found on the website. Many of them are featured in the show notes each week and also on the at Casually Baked social handles. Not only do you get discounts, but I get a little commission. So it's most definitely a win-win. You can also become a podcast patron for $5 per month at patreon.com backslash casually baked. Your patronage comes with a direct channel to me, insider info and discounts on casually baked merch, coaching and retreats. And podcast patrons also receive a 15% discount when they shop my small business, mjskinrelief.com. However you choose to support me and this highly responsible cannabis movement, thank you. Thanks for doing your part. To Puff Puff, pass it on. Yes, it's a high time. We had a high time together. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta, the podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.